0: a little bit personal and ask you whether you think your partner has changed since you've got married. Now of course we will change all the time but according to a new survey almost 50% of us reckon our other halves are significantly different to the person they married and it's not definitely for the better either. According to a survey of 2,000 married and divorced men and women by Gardner leader solicitors they found for example a fifth no longer recognised their partner Nearly a third are no longer in love. Well, it wouldn't be a surprise if they're a divorce couple that we were asked that. And 21% said their partner never wants sex anymore. So, of course, being a consumer show, we talk about money and divorce in a few moments, but I want to talk a little bit more about the findings of this really interesting study. And joining me now is Colette Bailey, a family solicitor and partner at Gardner Leader Solicitors. A very warm welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us, Colette. Thank you, Georgie. Hello. This survey, goodness me, it's a bit of a depressing read, isn't it? A third no longer in love, a fifth no longer recognise
1: their partner. What else did you find? Well, we, you know, as family lawyers, we see people who are distressed and who come to see us because relationships have broken down. So from our point of view, the survey is probably not that surprising, the results of it, I mean, but... Uh, what, the reason we did the survey is we wanted to raise awareness uh, amongst the general public that you do not have to stay in an unhappy relationship or loveless marriage and that you do have options and that the important thing to do is to take good advice, to consider the children and money and how you can deal with this as cost-effectively as possible and get peace of mind and move on with your life.
0: Do you think that's a real issue, that people just don't think there is a way out? Because I thought divorce rates were very high at the moment. I didn't think there was a problem with
1: that. Well, I think a lot of people are unsure as to what it means, and some people until they come and find out what it's going to cost, what is the impact upon me, how will it affect my children, sometimes just struggle on with a situation which is not really good for them and may not be good for the family as a whole, may not be good for their mental health. But um, I think there's a lot of uncertainty and indecision amongst people.
0: Do you think there's more that we could be doing, practically speaking, at the start of our relationships that could take perhaps the pressure on later. Now, I'm thinking here in terms of sorting out your finances is a great example, because a lot of people, when your finances become entwined, you feel you can't escape.
1: Indeed. And for a lot of people, they could consider a prenuptial agreement. For a young couple who don't have any money and plan to have children, it may not be that relevant. But for couples who are going into second marriages, um, who've already got assets, or maybe people who have already built up a considerable pot, Mm. then if they have sorted out um, on a practical basis that if, sadly, matters don't go well everyone knows who is getting what, then it takes an enormous amount of stress and strain. Um, I mean, it is not a document that's going to cover the rest of their lives. It has to be regularly reviewed and to take into the situation that there will be changing circumstances and also the impact of having children and covering the needs of everyone, husband, wife and the children.
0: In your experience, how much of a problem is money money issues money worries the way the other person perhaps spends their money how much does this contribute to do you think the, the cases of divorce that you see
1: I believe it is part of the main problem. When money is tight and when it is strained, then it affects the relationship Mm. and people become perhaps a bit more bitter, a bit more distanced. Um, Some people get bored. They think the grass is greener on the other side. You know, should they stay, should they go? That sort of conversation must go on in their heads. But money is a a big factor because Mm. unless you have lots of money after divorce, you are going to have less Mm. because you have to maintain two homes, um, so two into one doesn't go very well.
0: No, it doesn't indeed. Well, we'll talk about divorce in a little more detail, but I'm wondering if issues like you mentioned there with money, and it can affect the way that you see your partner. Let's talk a little bit more about those findings that you had, and and perhaps money might have been a reason that a fifth no longer say that they recognise their partner, a third no longer in love. What when we say no longer recognise our partner and they're significantly different to the person we married, what exactly are we talking about here? Are we talking about
1: physical differences? Are we talking about emotional? Well, we all change and life's experiences affect us. So it's unrealistic not to expect people to change. Some grow and develop together. Other people may change for the worse. And when they come to see us, we're not in the business of apportioning blame or passing any moral judgments. Our role is to help them move along with their life and get this resolved, you know, which is in their best interests.
0: Did you ask, though, I'm curious about physical changes, because one would uh, automatically suggest, and perhaps I'm being very sexist here and I apologise in advance, that that men perhaps would focus on physical
1: changes. Is that the case? Well, I think that's the result of the survey. There was a figure saying that um, more men were bothered about their wives putting on weight than um, women were. So that does seem a bit sexist, but that's what the survey actually found.
0: And turning moody, apparently, is one of the most common changes for men I should
1: say men, not just women, men and women. Indeed, Um, but as I say, it's part of life's tapestry. People change if, if they've lost their job, their sickness, there's family issues to deal with. Um, when you start off you've no idea really what's down the road do You or how life is going to change for you.
0: No, indeed. The research also finding things that attracted us to our partners such as personality and their attitude and outlook on life seem to disappear when we tie the knot according to a combined 60% almost of couples. I do hear the old adage of men spend the whole relationship trying to keep their wife the same whereas wives spend the whole relationship trying to change their husband. (laughs) I
1: think yes I have heard that. (laughs) Is that about fair though? Well I I don't know. I think it's a bit of a generalisation Um, and as i said you know you have to be realistic. You've got to accept that people are going to change and maybe some people have gone into marriages with unrealistic expectations Mm -hmm. and they have been disappointed. Unrealistic expectations like what? Unrealistic expectations maybe as to the lifestyle they're going to have or how their partner's going to treat them once the honeymoon period is over. How complicated is it to get a divorce? It's actually quite straightforward. Um, The divorce is a process. We basically in this country more or less have no-fault divorce. So it is a set of forms to be completed and sent to the court. And people can deal with that part of it themselves if they so wish. And there are various online options. There's a court fee of £550 to pay. And if a solicitor is doing the work um, for an individual, you know they may charge between seven and nine hundred pounds to to process the paperwork um, in respect of the divorce. But where family lawyers add value is that we use our skills to help. Um, Couples negotiate the financial settlement Mm. and children issues, and that is what what is much more complicated and intricate. The divorce, if you like, is the umbrella, which gives the court the power to make orders in respect of finances and children. And our aim is always to try and negotiate a settlement without going to court, I regard it as a successful case if my clients never set foot in a court. Well, how do those negotiations take place? Well, there are various options for people. Either they can sit down themselves and talk about it and then come and seek advice to see um, whether that's fair or not. They can go to mediation and work with a trained mediator to reach resolution on finances and children. And people who go to mediation often use family lawyers to get information and advice and to check if they're near the mark or being unrealistic. Um, Another option is the collaborative process, which is often being described as mediation with lawyers present. Again, people work as a four-way team in a very collaborative manner, um, looking at the family unit as a whole... Um, to help this family move forward, although they're going in different directions. The collaborative process can be very helpful for couples who are particularly interested in co-parenting their children and still having a good working relationship. Of course, horses for courses, it's not for everyone. And the final way is solicitor negotiation, which is probably what the majority of people will use, whereas a good family lawyer will want to negotiate a deal outside court, manage the client's expectations, use costs as effectively as possible because you don't want to use the entire budget on litigation, so you've got to keep the aim in mind. And if a settlement is reached, the court are invited to make an order Based on the agreed terms, and the court is provided with a short financial summary saying what everybody had and why it's fair. Because
0: this can be a very expensive process. Is there any way we can put sort of a figure on it, ignoring what you're divvying up mm. in terms of legal fees? Any way that we can, from
1: what to what? What's the scale? Well, I suppose it depends what people want. If they want the Rolls Royce service where their lawyer does everything, and if they want to fight about lots of issues and they go to court you know they can spend you know horrendous sums 30 40 50000 i've got i'm pleased to say that in my experience those people are few and far between mm. and the majority of my clients spend an awful lot less than that and certainly i would hope they would spend less than 10000 pounds but it depends on how complicated it is whether we've got to get reports on pensions from actuaries whether there's valuations of properties a, a, forensic accountants valuing the businesses. So, as you can see, the more complex the finances, the more it can add up. But on the plus side, people whose finances are pretty straightforward and have a fair idea of what they want to do, and it is reasonable and it is fair, then they may spend very little money at all, which is, is to the good. Because, again, as lawyers, we offer clients the options as to what they want us to do, and what they're going to do. So, for example, some people, if you like, use almost as a pay-as-you-go system where they'll come for consultations, say, that's great, I can do that bit and I'll be back when I need some help. Mm. You know, we are flexible. Ways of keeping
0: costs down. Traditionally, we know of, of course, divvying up the houses, the assets. But when we say assets, what exactly are, are you looking at? What will
1: get separated? Well... Usually for most people it's the house, the equity in the the matrimonial home. Then there will be savings, shares, um, pensions, of course. Let's say you've had a savings pot from years before you were married. Is it...
0: Does it follow that that would then get split?
1: Well, that's a good question, Georgie. Um, It depends on the length of the marriage. I mean, it also depends on needs. Needs is the theme which runs through our matrimonial law, needs and fairness. So if you've only been married a couple of years and possibly there are no children and people are earning roughly the same amount of money, then it is quite likely that the person with the large savings pot may be able to keep a lot of that intact. Mm. But inheritance is you know now we get the situation of people inheriting monies during the marriage and they often intermingle them you know put an extension on the house um, have a super holiday maybe buy a second holiday by a second holiday home uh, so when if they, those couples divorce then one's got to look back at the inherited money and see has that been kept apart has it been intermingled and Arguments will go backwards and forwards about this. But again, it comes to needs. If, one, if the court needs to touch the inherited monies to provide fairness and homes for both people and their children, then they will do.
0: You talk about inherited money. What about the gifted money? What about the bank of mum and dad?
1: Well, again, that. that's, uh, that's very popular at the moment with um, young people finding it difficult to buy properties. And... From as from the parents' point of view, they may be a little worried that their offspring's relationship is not going to go well, and concerned that their money that they're putting into it, you know, may get lost in in the fight between them. What they could do um, is persuade their offspring to enter into a prenuptial agreement um, prior to the marriage, so that money is protected. But, of course, you cannot insist on that. Mm. And um, the other point that they could consider is they could put the property in a trust. Now, trusts are not my areas. My colleagues would would deal with that. But if we're talking about substantial sums, if somebody's rich enough to pay £500,000 for a property for their daughter or son, then they may think, well, I'd like to put that in a trust so that they have the right to live there. But um, it can't be an asset when it comes to a matrimonial dispute about division.
0: And how much do kids muddy the water then, if you've got kids?
1: Well, if the property's in a trust, um, there would be provisions in the trust Mm -hmm. as to what would happen. But with a prenuptial agreement, you would have to review the prenuptial agreement if you have children, because otherwise it's unlikely to be fair.
0: Colette, I have to ask you, I'm not sure how long you've been practising as a family solicitor for, uh, but I imagine it's it's a couple of years.
1: It's over 30 years. (laughs) Over
0: 30 years. You must have seen a lot of uh, couples come in Uh, looking for perhaps a divorce, how many of those go away and sort it out, you know, that don't end up getting divorced? Because divorce is not the only way.
1: No, um, some people decide um, to separate um, and not go through divorce and see how it goes. Mm -hmm. And if they remain apart after a period of time, maybe finalise it then. There are legal reasons why it is useful to finalise it if the relationship has definitely broken down. But for other people, it may be a trial separation. i say maybe they thought um, the situation would be better um, and found it's not. Um, Most people, when they have made the decision to separate, in my experience, go through with it, the minority will reconsider and possibly give it a second go. And, of course, we signpost uh, clients to relate and counselling services because our role is to deal with sorting out the finances and the children if they have decided the marriage is over. But we will obviously point out to them that there are services there for them if they are unsure. The last thing anyone should do is go into divorce proceedings if they still think Mm. there is a chance that the relationship might work. You must have seen some really
0: horrible, messy divorces. (laughs) And I always wonder whether you would ever think about advising anyone to get married. Does marriage have its place? Are I think you still a
1: romantic Colette? I think yes it does. Um I <laughs> I think it certainly has its place and it also has legal advantages with regard to pensions for, for example and inheritance tax. Mm. But I've been asked that question, Georgie, by people who have had considerable assets and maybe it's a second marriage. And my advice to them is being, well, if you want to be absolutely certain that you don't have to share any of your assets, don't get married. But generally, you know, the heart can rule the mind and people think, well, you know, I am committed to this person. It is a sign that that we are a couple. And I think more and more people continue to get married.
0: Well, the heart can rule the mind, or maybe taxes
1: yes. can rule the
0: wallet <laughs> and uh, pensions as well. Colette Bailey, a family sister and partner at Gardner Leader Solicitors, thank you so much for joining. It's an absolute pleasure.
1: Thank you, Georgie.